everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pakulski. Today, we feature an incredibly brilliant man who has succeeded at many aspects of life. Dr. Chris Spearman joins me today to tell us about his journey through his PhD in leukemia studies, which is super interesting, diving into his then transformation of his physical body, becoming a cover model. So getting from what effectively he may have looked like during his PhD, which I'm going to guess the the amount of training he did was minimal, to then getting on the cover of 16 magazines. Chris is leading in the fitness industry right now with the information he provides as well as the inspiration he provides. And now Chris has transferred that wisdom into helping young entrepreneurs build fitness businesses. And the wisdom he offers is absolutely incredible. And he does it for free. And I'm so grateful for Chris joining us today. The number of clients he's helped to grow their business speaks volumes of Chris's sincere desire to make an impact in the world and help others live their greatest life, and which is why it makes him such a perfect fit for our show. And just before we begin, I want to tell you guys a little bit about our new show sponsor, ButcherBox. So meat is a huge part of my life, and it's likely a huge part of yours if you're someone who is a high achiever looking to thrive. ButcherBox is a high-quality meat delivery company and subscription service, and they offer grass-fed meat and organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and salmon. And you can make any combination of choices every single month and have it delivered straight to your door. And the best part is because it's direct to you, they cut out the middleman and you're going to end up saving money on the best quality meat that you can find. Now, this stuff is literally high quality. I've been blessed to be able to eat it for the last few months and it's literally melting your mouth good. You guys are going to absolutely love it. And because you're amazing and you're tuning into the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, they're going to hook you guys up with $20 off your first order of ButcherBox. So if you head over to butcherbox.com, you enter the code MI40 at checkout, you're going to get $20 off your first order, which is awesome because meat is a staple. You're going to get it anyways. Rather than going to the store to buy low quality stuff where you're in a rush, get it sent directly to your door, save the hassle, save time, and have the best quality because quality matters, right? It's not just about what you consume. It's probably about what you consumed consumed. So I suggest you guys head over to ButcherBox as soon as this podcast is done or do it right now. Bookmark the page and share that code with anyone you know that eats a good amount of meat. MI40 at ButcherBox.com. $20 off your first order at ButcherBox. Enjoy the show with Dr. Chris Spearman. Chris Spearman, welcome to the show, man. And you're doing amazing things. I've been following your career for a long time now. And uh, even I think, geez, it's got to be three or four years now where I've been following you from distance. You've had an amazing Instagram presence. We became great friends. You know, welcome. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you for taking the time. Dude, thank you so much. Like anyone listening to this, it's been an absolute lifelong goal to be accepted onto the podcast and to be able to call you a really good friend is pretty cool. So thank you so much, dude. I remember actually, I briefly mentioned this to you. I remember tweeting you for the first time in 2013, 2014. And I made some joke about like feathering quads because I'm eating loads of poultry and you loved it. And I don't know if you remember that. Again, like back in the day when there was all this bro science, I was like, I'm eating all this chicken and I'm getting all these feathers in my quads. And you're like, man, I love this. I think that was the first one you actually conversed. Right. That's amazing, man. 
Man, so you are crushing it on social media, but you're also crushing it in business. You're crushing it in, in your physique. And you started off with this goal. is like, hey, I want to get on the cover of a magazine. And I think that's an amazing goal to have. I think there's probably millions of guys out there and, and ladies who have that goal. But the thing you've done that most people don't do is you crush it. You achieve that goal, right? And then you've done that a number of times now, and you're going to continue to do that, I believe, right? You've got a few more covers in your future. I hope so. Yeah, 12 so far. I've had some magazine covers, of course, some book covers, which is quite interesting, which we can talk about at some point. But just what is it like fantasy books? Dude, honestly, (laughs) it's like 50 shade books. Did they put long hair onto you? Did they like Photoshop Fabio hair? Once I was like a Russian spy, so they needed to bleach my hair. (laughs) <laughs> the author actually asked me, would I bleach my hair for the shoot? And I said, listen, unless you can guarantee me a cover, I'm not bleaching my hair. So yeah, they actually kind of superimposed it on. But coming back to what you said about... Oh, being, can, I, can I Google that now, man? Hang on a uh, sec here. I can't even remember the name of the book, dude. I'll send you the photo if you want to put it in the show notes afterwards, though. If you want to get some up there, maybe playing the game was one. I was a soccer player. If I just look up images with you, sure. there's got to be something there. Sure. Hold on, let's see if we can pull this up. So you know what comes up, Chris, when I Google you? There's a lot of like obviously amazing pics of you being uncovered and stuff. But the thing that seems to come up most is the before and afters that you've produced with your clients. And I definitely want to dive into that, man, because there's a ton of them. Unfortunately, I don't see any bleach hair photos, but I definitely am going to hold you to send me that for the show notes. because You know what? That's just, gonna... just on the note, in terms of my goal of getting on the cover of a magazine, being completely truthful, that wasn't even on my radar. Like I remember going into Gold's Gym in Sports Boulevard in San Diego in 2011 for the first time, yeah. seeing all these magazines on the cover of the wall. What I said to myself, and you always pull me on my self-talk, was I'll never be on the cover of a magazine. But I took photos and I said, but I want to do everything in my power to try and look like one. And two years later, I was on the cover of my first magazine. Now, what I would say to myself, if I go back to 2011, is if I had more belief, which you tell me all the time, where would I be now? So then obviously, you know, doing that was the initiation where I said, you know what, I'm a skinny kid from like rural Ireland. If I can do this, anyone can. And that's what I say to my clients. Like I never in a million years thought that I would be on the cover of a magazine. So Now that I know what's actually possible when you apply yourself, that's all I try and preach with these clients. Man, I teach that to everyone. And my kids are always kind of the way I relate this to the audience because, I mean, kids, you can kind of teach anything because their beliefs are moldable, right? So I always try to say, like, I indoctrinate their unconscious mind, right, with these beliefs around, like, you can do anything. You can do anything. Anything you set your mind to, you can do. And I just, like, I repeat that to them almost monotonously and, and more than daily. And you're absolutely right, right? If you start to code or program your unconscious mind to say, whatever I do, it's just a matter of identifying it and then identifying the steps it's going to take to get there, you can get there. So here's a great example. I came to the gym this morning, first day back in Tampa, walked to the gym. I see this client. I haven't seen her in three, four months. And when she started here, her husband was a big fan of MI40. He's been following me for years. She came into the gym. She's like, I don't believe that you can change me. And I was like, Really? Like, is that really what you're going to say to me? Like, yeah. Like, well, okay, well, that's something we need to work on because there's no doubt in my mind that I can change anybody. Like you could give me a hippopotamus and I'll figure out a way to get them in shape. It's just a matter of time and effort, right? It's not a matter of if it's when. And she's like, I don't think so. So dude, for the first two months, she wasn't seeing any results and we were doing things correctly. And I was like, what's going on? And all of a sudden one day she came in and she was like, hey, I just want to let you know, I've lost 10 pounds and I'm really surprised. You know, she never stepped on the scale, but every day she'd come in and she'd go, hey, I, I, I'm not seeing any results. I'm not seeing any results. 
then it was like six weeks in or something. And she's like, Hey, I just want you to let you know, I lost 10 pounds. And all of a sudden her brain kind of smiled. And she's like, I think I can actually do this. Dude, the next two months, her weight just literally melted off. Right. So her body started to believe it and things just started to kick, but there's always that first month or resistance period where you have to change your unconscious belief system. Because if every day you wake up telling yourself you're fat or you're skinny or you're a small guy from rural Ireland, you have to change that shit, man. Because, dude, and I, I face the same thing coming from Canada, right? Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's one of the things that you've called me on this like so many times when you're over in the UK and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to build muscle. And you're like, why are you using this word? Like, why are you using this word? And I'm making a conscious effort now to not use that word. I'm not trying. I'm either doing it or it's not important to me. And I really make a conscious effort to go on a daily basis. Are my actions mapping to my ambitions? Like, are they? And if they're not, then I question why I'm doing them. And if I want to achieve something and they're my ambitions and I've got no actions towards them, well, then I need to have a word with myself and go, well, what's the priority right now? And I think some people just need to take a step back and go, okay, these are my priorities. These are the actions that I need to take in order to get there. Dude, I wish I knew this sooner. But that being said, there are people out there who will never get their head around that concept. So I'm grateful. Yeah. And, it, and how do you keep yourself accountable to that? Because I think until intellectualize it is one thing, but to actually put it into application is completely different. We know that because many people have a fixed mindset and they don't believe they can change. And that's the foundation of it all. And you've probably dealt with people like that. I'm certainly currently dealing with people like that. That's the most frustrating thing in the world, right? And if you can teach someone, anyone, in the world that this growth versus fixed mindset, Carol Dweck, if anyone hasn't read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, that's the book. They talk about fixed versus growth mindset. If you have a fixed mindset, you're fucked, right? Like, pardon, like really, like if you believe that you can't change, there's no hope for you until you change that, right? In in anything. Yeah, so that really probably hit home with me two or three years ago. And for those who, who haven't followed my journey, I moved to London five, six years ago to do my doctorate, my PhD in leukemia. And what I started seeing was there are two types of people that have cancer. They're the people who have this closed mindset of I'm fucked and I'm going to die. And you know that's it. Like, let's just let this run its course. And then you've got people who are like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure my nutrition is decent, to make sure I make my appointments on time. And it was just so obvious to me when I was seeing these patients on a day-to-day basis in the hospital that this is applicable to everything in life. And I really try and get that across with my clients and say, you're either one of two people and I'll take your money each month, but it's not going to serve you. I'll be wasting my time. You'll be wasting your time. And you're just telling yourself a bullshit story. Or we can actually figure out why you're not getting closer to your goals. And you say this all the time. Anyone, anyone can get in cover model shape. You don't need to have crazy genetics or you don't need to take a huge amount of performance enhancing substances to get in cover model shape. Anyone can get in cover model shape. Literally anyone, like you said, a hippopotamus. Yeah. So answer this question. Of those clients you were seeing, did you notice any quantifiable, perhaps measurable difference in their result? So the people who kind of gave up on life, were they more likely to die or die faster than people who perhaps resisted? Being completely honest, right? I'm obviously a scientist. I've been a scientist for my whole life. And anytime I have this conversation, I get like really crazy kind of, oh, I I don't really agree. The science is the science. How can someone's positive mindset affect their outcome of their overall survival? So acute myeloid leukemia was the primary cancer, the primary leukemia that I was working with. And then pre-leukemic diseases like myelodysplastic syndrome and myeloproliferative disorders. They're basically non-leukemic disorders and most people can live a very normal life and they actually don't realize that they have these until they get a blood test. 
but there's a high incidence of these people going on to become leukemic. Now, in that space, people will go, well, how can someone's mindset affect their cytogenetics? How can someone's mindset affect their ability to utilize whatever drugs being used or have a higher overall survival rate? Now, I firmly believe 100% that a positive mindset will affect someone's outcome. Think about it this way. If you have someone who's given up on life and they've given up on their cancer, and dude, I, I saw this every day, they wouldn't get to their appointment. They would miss their drug pickup. They wouldn't even get their tests. They wouldn't get their scans. They're not eating healthy. They're not getting out. They're not exercising. Are you really trying to tell me that if you put all of these things, forget about the positive mindset, if you put all of these practical things in place, that's not going to have a higher overall survival rate. Of course it will. People were forgetting to, or, they weren't forgetting that the bullshit excuse, they were purposely not taking their recovery medication or some of the development drugs that we were utilizing in the lab because they just gave up on life. You know, there's just no possible way that you sure. say that that's not going to have an impact. That's certainly one thing. And that's, that's the science for answer, right? That's a scientific, like I need quantifiable data. But if you want to read a great book on, on this topic, Mind to Matter, Dawson Church. So when I'm in a negative state of mind, what's my neurochemical signature in my brain? Like ratios of, of you know, glutamate and, and GABA and dopamine and serotonin and endamide. You're bathing your cells in cortisol. You're bathing your cells in these negative neurotransmitters and hormones. That's going to affect it. Then you're looking at energy signatures, right? Like what's the vibration of your cells? Like an actual hertz, right? The actual vibrational resonance matters. Like a healthy cells vibrate at a certain resonance and unhealthy cells vibrate at a different resonance, you know? And like this sounds kind of woo-woo, but it's absolutely scientifically quantifiable, right? There's tons of data on that. So this positive mindset woo-woo shit, it makes the biggest difference. It's like that analogy that you often use about if you're having X amount of calories and you're doing this amount of steps but you're in a stressed life living in the city versus when you walk out on the beach and you're living the dream. There's no possible way that you can say that that's not going to have have an impact, especially, you know, when you dig deeper into molecular cell biology and biochemistry and you look at like how much of a miracle it is that we're even alive. Like every month that I would spend more time researching, it's an absolute miracle, either divinity or it's an absolute miracle based on the millions of things that need to happen at the right time in order for us to even be here. And if that's the case, how does the smallest thing not affect the millions and billions of pathways and neural, even neural pathways, but just biochemical processes that occur? And you're really saying that like the smallest fraction of a small difference in an environment is not going to have an effect. Of course it will. And it's only now, like you said, that we're just able to quantify that. But I know that's kind of slightly off topic, but in terms of clients, I really utilize that mindset with them. And if someone said, what is the best education that I got to get people in cover model shape? It was dealing with people in the hospital or patients. And I feel like the biggest mistake fitness professionals out there make, and I say this with a lot of my mastermind clients, is you're not in the fitness space. You're in the people space. You just know shit about fitness. Man, that's really why I started this journey. And people ask, like, hey, babe, why have you switched from doing body transformations, which I still do more into like mentorship and life coaching and uh, just helping people live their greatest life is because I worked with thousands of people in the last 10 years to transform their body. And I had a great success rate by all accounts, right? But you still realize that this huge percentage of people fall short of their goals or they get a goal and they rebound and go the other way. So what are, you, what are we doing wrong? Like you give them the best process in the world. They give them the best nutrition, the best workouts. And I take that personally. I'm like, I want this to be the best. I'm going to give you the best result. And then they fail or they achieve it and they revert back. 
because they never changed their mind. So I started going on this path, like, all right, what is the first step, the foundational step for me to actually create lasting behavior change? That's what it's about. So I need to change your behaviors. So then, okay, what do we change? Well, it starts with probably your self-talk, which you and I talked about, right? Then we look at your self-talk creates your beliefs, right? And then that's going to create your habits. And you just follow that path and go, okay, well, all these things that I can change happen well before I ever need to change my nutrition, my workout, my supplementation, because without that shit, you realize you're going to get results. There's no question you can get results, but you're probably going to revert back. So there's something that I've been talking about lately, and it's actually kind of the, the focus of my talk. So focus of my talk is this new realization. I think it's relatively new. New may just be five years or 10 years or something, but it's relatively new. Just just the, the integration of the mind-body, right? The fact that you can't separate these things. And if you're looking to change your mind and your beliefs and create new habits and create new thoughts and change that default mode network, it's absolutely imperative that you incorporate physical exercise because that's what's going to put your brain into the most prime position to actually change your mind, right? So the integration of the mind-body is, is where the real change happens. Yeah, I think it comes back to just there being a million things going on in the human body. That there's things that we will never know. Hey, man, the reason I brought you on here, because you said you know everything. So let's get into it. <laughs> so you know what? I think this is so applicable to, to health and fitness as well, because some really elite bodybuilders like at the top level come to you and they go, oh, dude, I, I want to do this and I want to do this. And you're like, okay, great. Go for a walk tomorrow for 45 minutes and you know how it goes. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. There's so much more to fitness or, or whatever it is that we just need to be aware of our own conscious mind firstly and then build upon that. So I'd love to talk to you about that. And just to kind of sum that up is, you know, the, the skill set that got you to where you are won't get you to where you want to go. That's the definition, right? So you get these people that come to you and they come to me and they go, I want to change. Well, this is what's worked for me in the past. So we should do that. And I'm just like, okay, if that worked for you in the past, let's do this instead, right? But so what is your step? Let's walk us through that for the listeners who really want to begin to change. And ultimately, maybe it's cover model shape. Maybe it's just like, hey, I want to get my ass in gear and be in the best shape of my life and thrive and be a high achiever in all these aspects of life. Right. So I suppose within the business, I mean, to give you a brief rundown, obviously, I had done 10 years in university and had a lot of student debt, clearly. I moved to London, really expensive. I ended up integrating into a gym, decided to do a shoot. Everything started to kick off in terms of you know my modeling career or you know book cover stuff. So at that point, people started asking me, would I help get them in shape? And three, four years later, I've identified in that space of time that the one thing that nobody is doing in the online space is to try and bridge the gap between in-person personal training and how can I offer what is an almost seems impossible online? And what can I do to try and bridge that gap? So every month, every two months, every three months, I'm trying to think, okay, what can I do to offer more? Does that mean I need to have a Zoom call with you know my high-end athletes in the same call and have one of my coaches follow me around the gym, maybe going through some basic exercises because they can't be there on every time zone in the world. And I think that all stems from more of a connection with your client and actually having them on call. And that was probably the best decision I made from a business perspective. And we spoke about this before. I was in the lab six days a week, like 12, 14 hours, collecting blood samples, doing all these things, trying to run a a six-figure at the time fitness business. Now, people were like, how the hell do you do that? And I said, well, I had to scale. So I decided to add more value and scale it up by working less. And I did that by offering more value, charging a higher price point, and then putting people in groups rather than a one-to-one setting on a call. 
And admittedly, you know, you being a mentor of mine, one of my original business mentors was a guy called Frank Bria, who had a best-selling book called Scale, How to Scale Your Business by Working Less. He was actually a client of mine. I was like, oh, this guy's got a shit ton of followers. Okay, cool. Maybe I should see what he does. No, I won't bother. And a year later, he turned around and said, I think my book could help you, you know. And I read his book and he obviously, we, we worked closely together in terms of mentorship. And in a very short space of time, my business just transformed because I realized wow. that I had a short time period that I could help these clients. And instead of doing, you know, hundreds of clients on emails and getting back to them and yeah, I could have delegated, but what I want most from this experience as a coach is to feel like I'm impacting people's lives or to feel like I'm making a difference. And it's so difficult to do that when you're stretched, when you have little contact, when you're emailing people and you don't even know their names sometimes. Some of these online coaches, you see an email address like monty45 at gmail.com. Like who's this person, right? Yeah, man, I'm guilty of that. So I had a client who I worked with for, I think, two years and I saw him in person and I didn't no idea who it was. And he was actually really pissed off. And I was like, listen, dude, we've talked on the phone. We've sent me pictures. I've never seen you in person. And I felt really guilty about that. So now I kind of go out of my way to like really orient myself. Because usually when people send pictures, like they're in their underwear and it's like neck down, you know, so half the time you're not seeing their head. But I felt really like a terrible person. That was perspective for me. So I think if you were to look at the three-year period of where I was to where I am now in terms of helping these people get in cover model shape, you're really good, man. I'll, I'll say that and not blowing smoke up your ass. You're doing a great job. Yeah. And you know what? I, back three years ago, it was email, maybe instant messenger contact, maybe. Now we've scaled the business. It's over 10x in that space of time. We have a whole team of coaches um, also all over the world. But what we do, even in a five-hour period on a Sunday, we have an initial book club, which is an add-on. It's a personal development thing for my coaches that I force them to do, which is actually a really good idea. And we have a select number of clients. So explain what that means. So like a book of the week? Everyone picks their own book and they have every okay. two weeks, we split it into like two teams, let's say. And every two weeks, it was primarily for, for employees because I wanted them to start personal developing. Obviously, if I'm investing in myself, I want them investing in themselves. Sure. But also, it's such a selfish idea for me because I hear a presentation like, oh, I want this book. So every two weeks, we do a book club and that kind of sets off our Sunday. And then everyone will give their presentation. Then we have a coach's call for an hour. Then after that, we have what I would call the phase one for people to get in shape or cover model shape, which is primarily weight loss. People who are maybe 300 pounds, 275, 250 pounds who want to lose weight for the first time. So the group would join you on that yes. call? Yes. It's the same Zoom link. We just put it into the different groups. We just stay on call the whole way through. So talk to me about what you talked to that group about, man, before you go on to the other groups and what your schedule looks like. So what I've done is I've recruited a team of people with coaches who have specific expertise. And we've trialed them giving lectures and presentations. So an initial talk, we go through then, you know, a specific lecture each week on these calls. And then at the end, we kind of summarize and go through any questions. But if someone comes to you and they're relatively new to fitness, and I'm sure you get people who are like that, what are the first lines of intervention that you're Mindset, taking? Always. So we yeah. had people giving like, how to train back in there. And that was my fault. It was a trial. And I'm like, oh, they need to, to know how to train. No, they don't. They just need to know people. People in, in that group primarily, and I love them to bits. I'm sure they listen to this, but they need a support network outside of their lives. There's a reason why they're holding that much weight in the first place, or they have never got in shape before. And now, people would say, oh, it's a group scenario. It's not personal. 
dude, they get so much more from that group than they could get from me by myself. And I can scale it. So we've got 30, 50 people in that group. So a lot of the talks are goal setting, dealing with negativity from friends and family members. Yes, of course, there's education in terms of simple weight loss tips, simple training tips. It's very kind of standard, but more of a support network for those clients. A lot of these clients have been through, because of my background, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and want to get back in shape, they resonate with me, and they just want to lose a little bit of weight. So that's a perfect group for them. And then obviously, as the day goes on, it gets more advanced. So you know, a few more questions there. How are you implementing behavior change? Because I think the biggest issue I run into with people who are relative beginners is inspiration, right? So you get this massive population of people who aren't motivated, who don't need to learn how to exercise. They need to learn how to get to the gym, right? That's often the biggest bottleneck for the entry level people, right? What people at your level, people at my level, people who are typically our followers, or at least my followers, don't need inspiration, right? They're going to the gym. Now they need tactics and strategies. So is that what you find most in that entry level group is like you need to inspire them to get off their butt, to get to the gym, to eat the meals, to, to get it in? That's why the group to them is probably most valuable because they're held accountable to each other as well. Yeah. And that group call is more important for them than some of my athletes that are actually uncovered, you know, men's health and stuff. Because like our correspondence would have been, you'll send me this, I'll let's say try and do it, I'll implement it, I'll do it, and then come back. Whereas these clients just want that support. And a lot of the conversations with those clients is more, how was your week? And they're like, oh, you know, this happened. And it's more of an emotional support through a process. It, again, we're in the people space, not the fitness space. And that's most relevant to them. How are you keeping them accountable to being on the call? <laughs> At the price point. From a business perspective, obviously, it's expensive. you know, And the service that we provide, the time and effort that goes into slides in terms of the coaching, in terms of being there literally every few hours and having coaches on call, it's expensive, dude. It's expensive. But what I say is, and I get on the call with every single one of them right now, like anyone who's even interested, we go through a very detailed questionnaire to see if they're the right fit. And I get on a genuine call for almost an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And I go through if this is a good fit for them, but mostly if they're a good fit for our program. So that process, obviously the price point, and then just making sure that we're there to support them with anything that they need. And that initial call is, is quite handy. Now, obviously, at some point, I'm going to have to scale that process and have people take those calls for me. But right now, I love, especially if they're working with another coach, which the vast majority of clients within our business, 95% work with somebody else. I know really? who they are then when they come through. I know what their goals are. I know what their why is. I know what their pain points are. So then when I see them on those calls, which I do attend regardless of where I am, I know exactly what's going on and I can converse or correspond with one of the coaches and say, how is such so, and such getting on? Oh, you mean so they're working with one of your other coaches? Got it, got it. I thought you meant they're working with, with the coach. working with one of ours. And I will assign the coach that is going to have the best relationship more so than the skill yeah. set with those clients. That's the same in the gym, right? I've got X number of trainers working from the gym and it's all about personality, man. Like you have some tr trainers that are kind of adaptable and go with anybody and you have the ones like you need to be with this. Yeah. Person, so, right? so, so for example, you know, if, if you fast forward, obviously there's a few other groups and it gets progressively more, let's say difficult or more challenging or it becomes more cover model competition shape. So we go through a few other groups through Sunday and we get to our academy, which is kind of our bread and butter. So people who want to get in cover model shape or are realistically getting in cover model shape, they're doing photo shoot prep, competition prep, or people who are PTs or aspiring online coaches, but they don't get a huge amount of business mentorship. They get a little bit, but it's more 
for the general personal trainer or person who wants to compete. Now, the coaches that I have in that group, every coach is someone that has been a client of the business. And that's something that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do. They know me. I've got a good relationship with them. They buy into the process exactly like you have in MI40. And the coaches that I have here are very like, call you on your bullshit because they need to be that way. The coaches, you know, the beginners or the phase one, they're far more, you know, that's fine. It's okay. This is what you need to do. It's not the, the end of the world. And it's really important, you know, if you're building a business or, or you have your own to identify that you need to read the client. And I think not a lot of people do that. And if someone was to tell me why the business is so successful or why our clients get best results, it's because that's the primary focus. You know, I, I was saying that we went rafting with a family of four the other day. Every one of those four are on a different call. Two are on one call, but they're on a different call during that Sunday. And we have to buy into them. And fortunately, like you, I travel and I get to meet a lot of these clients. So I happen to be in a city. I'll put up in my client group, my client Facebook group. I'm going to be in such and such a place. And you know, I, I try and go out of my way when I can to meet up with clients and have that personal relationship with them. But also, obviously, that's good for business because people see that I care, sure. you know? And, and that's the thing about you do, man. I think people feel that from you. And that's why some people succeed and others don't. It's like when you care, people feel that from you, right? We're at the point in culture now where that matters, right? I think in the past, you used to be able to have a bit of transparency or you could hide behind certain things when you didn't have the true desire to help people. You could kind of mask it a little bit. But now with the, the you know, era of transparency with social media, people read you, man. What was but, my goal when I reached out to you? To put on muscle properly for the first time. Right. Did I reach yeah. out to you because you're one of the best in the world at that? That wasn't the reason I reached out to you. I just knew that you would be able to help me achieve my goal. I reached out to you because of who you are, your beliefs, how you make me feel when I listen to your podcast, how you make me feel when we talk, the fact that you care, the fact that you're educated. That's what made me buy into you. And that's why everyone buys into you. you they're just bloody lucky that you're the best in the world at helping people I'm up at the same time, right? <laughs> so in a way, I want to be the same. Like I want to be able to get people in cover model shape better than anyone else on the planet through science, which I feel like not many people can say they're getting as many people in cover model shape in the world and have a PhD and are as, you know, pretty educated in terms of what they're doing. But I also want to show people that I give a shit, which I genuinely do. Now, we've spoken about this before. The business is going, dude, I never even thought in a million years. Like, I don't even look at my bank account because it, it freaks me out. I don't spend any of it. I live the most frugal life ever. The only money that I spend is on flights for business or business investments. The only thing that I purchased was property, which is an investment. I don't spend anything on myself. I don't have a car. I take the bus around London. I walk. I don't even buy new shoes, dude. Like, for me, it's not about the money. Yes, it's great. And when I've got kids and they need to go to college, I'll be, oh, thank God. But for me, it's about that feeling that I get when I have those conversions with clients. There are clients on my program that I have a one-to-one -one Skype with. Now, there's not a huge amount of those, maybe a handful, maybe a little bit more. I would pay them to stay on my program because of the way they make me feel. Now, I'm happy to be vulnerable. I'm happy to be vulnerable with you. I'm going to pretend no one's listening. A Sunday probably doesn't pass where I am not extremely emotional and have some form of tears having one of those conversations with one of those seven clients because they've been with me for three years, two years. They've lost 150 pounds. They've avoided suicide. They've found love. They've got engaged or they've had life-changing transformations, not, not body transformations. They've had life-changing transformations. Now, that's not me that did that. That's them. But someone needs to help them do that. Someone needs to be there to support them.
believe in themselves, man. And the conversation we had right before we started is like, it's just a belief, man. If you can believe, and I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. You do believe in me more than I believe in myself. That's why I speak to you. Well, awesome. And I do believe in you can do anything, right? And that's what you're doing for them. And that's what they need, man. They need that anchor there. So every time they come back to Chris, I know Chris believes in me more than I believe in myself. And I can do anything with Chris behind me. And that's what you do for the men. And, and the beauty is there's so few people in the world who do that. I mean, I don't know everyone in the world that does that. So there, hopefully there's a lot. But for everyone listening out there, like find what you truthfully have a passion for. You, I'm sure, feel the same as me. You've never worked a day in your life, right? You're like, and I, I love this. Like, I love what I do every day. And I get to help you because I believe in you. And you know, like I work with so many high-level athletes who they come into the gym or they come into my life, we get on the phone. They don't believe in themselves. And like, so until I can make that shift, nothing is going to change. They're going to keep getting the same shitty result over and over again. Okay, so how do we start to create that cognitive shift in their body, right? That's where the goal is in this process, right? That's like, okay, I see you don't believe in yourself, Chris. How do we start to make that change, right? And, you know, you have this buy-in with people, right? If you say, hey, Chris, or hey, Ben, I need you to do X as a client, I'm going to say, okay, because I trust you. Whereas that, I don't know how you teach that to your coaches, because some of your coaches who work for you may not have the same buy-in from the clients as you do, or do they, right? Like, how do you teach, so where I'm going with this is how do you teach your coaches to make the same changes in that belief system in the client, right? Admittedly, when I got into the fitness space and we spoke about you know my childhood before, I was getting likes on Instagram. I was getting external gratification and yeah, I'll put my hands up. That was me. Post the topless photo, external gratification. My likes are going up. Everything's going up. That's great. I identified quite quickly that that's not serving me. What needs to serve me is this feeling inside of feeling like I'm making a difference and relating it back to my PhD. That's what I felt from, from those patients because they were going in to see the doctor, see the clinician, and they're going, right, these are your bloods. This is what we need to do. Here you go. Do this, do this, do this. You're coming back in two weeks. Nobody sat down or tried to answer the one question that every cancer patient thinks once they get a diagnosis. Why me? Why did I get Why have I got cancer? For the first time when I sat in a room, I was the only researcher that they would have any contact with. And my sole goal was to try and figure out why they got cancer in the first place. Now, I'm never going to solve that question on my own. A lot of the findings were really significant, but nobody actually sat down and tried to identify and answer the question that they asked themselves. And the response that I got from these clients emotionally was the most incredible feeling in the world. They felt heard. They felt like someone was actually giving them what they wanted or buying into them in terms of what someone needs at that point. And all I've done is translate that over to my fitness business. But coming back to your question, it's so difficult for me to impose that feeling I have with my coaches. Now, I don't know if I said this to you last time I was, I was in Tampa with you, but I hired a transactional analysis who actually used to be a childhood friend of mine and we lost touch for 15 years. And he's a psychologist and I have been doing or was doing a, a program with him towards the end of last year in terms of how to work at behaviors, transactional analysis, reading situations, how I can help my clients better, how I can understand them better. But most importantly, the one thing that I never thought that I would be is a boss. And I don't see myself as such. I see myself as a leader. I like to lead by example yeah. and identifying how I can have those conversations with my team and try and make them feel the same way I feel about what we do. So that was that was what you were trying to get out of this transactional analysis 
Because I don't quite understand what is it reading people and, and choosing your words. It was actually yeah. for my clients. I wanted to understand behaviors and thought process behind things like contracting, making sure that they know boundaries, making sure that what's expected of them, what's expected of me, identifying why people play games or emotional or psychological games that are actually a game by definition is completely unconscious. When someone says, oh, he's playing a game and they're manipulating, that's actually not a psychological game. Games are only essentially done through unawareness. It's manipulation if if it's purposeful. So a lot of this and why people make these decisions, why people, we all have difficult clients. We all have, not in terms of not getting results, but in terms of not knowing boundaries or also, maybe I'm under delivering, which I would like to say I've almost never done. I'm not going to say never because there's always an exception, but I always try and over deliver. But I, I took that course to help me become a better coach. I said, who out there is going to a psychologist as an online coach to better themselves? And that's the decision I made. And it was great for business because I was able to grow that way. But it's funny because I'm the other guy out there doing the same thing. So. Exactly. Right? I wouldn't have expected any yeah. different from you, right? And a lot of why I did was during the period of time that we were working together. So it was a lot of buying into you and your thought process behind wanting to be the best human on, you know, you can possibly be. But what it initiated was, yes, the relationships with my clients, but the relationships with my team. Now, how I converse with them when someone fucks up and say it in, you know, the nicest way and how I can be stern and not let people, you know, take the piss. And I think that's something that I never thought I'd be in that situation. Tell me what you do, because that's something a lot of people have a hard time with, right? Like, how do you, I mean, it's always a subjective thing. How do you have a strong conversation with someone without being emotional, without being taken away? If I did something wrong, let's just say I I left some weights down and I'm 40. You know, you could look at me and say, dude, you're better than that. You should show a little bit more consideration. You're, You're better than that. I know you are. You can say that to me. And because I've got all the respect in the world for you, that will hit me hard. That will hit me fucking hard. So all my coaches have been clients of mine. They're all friends of mine. And I would like to think that they all have a decent level of respect for me as a person, what I've done within the business. And I feel that's fortunately, and that that's not always the case because I will have to outsource people and have who are not friends. They're, they're outside of that exterior interior. But when I have people in that situation, which is part of the reason why I have that conversation, when I initiate a coach to make sure that, you know, we get on, it's that when I say something and I don't need to put the foot down too often and rarely do, maybe I should put the foot down a little bit more than I do. They listen and they respect that and they understand. And it's like, you've said this so many times to me with your children. It's like, if you say, Oh, don't do this. And they're like, oh, but I want to. And you explain why. I really don't want you to do this because this. And this is what's going to happen. And this is how I feel about you doing that. They're like, oh, okay. So I try and get that across with my coaches. And obviously, there's always situations that are quite difficult, which is why I've employed Darren, who you've met, who steps in. And there are some things that I hate dealing with and conflict is one that I really don't like. So if there is a situation, I will obviously go, listen, what are your thoughts on this? Am I being out of out of line? And I trust him more than anyone I've ever met in terms of asking him that advice that knows my business as well as he does. He's been a client for four years. He then became a coach. He's now the COO of the business and does, you know, essentially the runnings of the business in a way. The one thing as well, and it, it comes back to Abraham Lincoln's hot letters, right? If you're aware. So if there was a situation with one of his generals, he would write it in a letter, put it in his desk and leave it until like the next day. And he would come back and he would read it and go, is this how I'm feeling right now about this situation, right? 
So for me to need to go through Darren, I need to wait for him to come back to me and I need to wait for him to process what's happened. And by the time he does, I probably feel a different way. And I try and emotionally detach myself. Dude, like you say, between every stimulus and a response, there is a space, right? That's not me, man. That's Victor Frankl, but that's... that's a minute. Thing, I'm reading that book in a minute, but I okay. wouldn't have read that book if it wasn't for you. For me, when you said that first, it resonated. And I was like, I need to read this book. And that's the most important thing I think that I've learned, probably in relationships also, not that I'm a wizard at relationships, but in friendships, in, in coaching you know, situations, but also with clients. To take that moment to breathe before I choose what I'm going to say and how I feel. And it's very difficult, dude. I don't know how you find it. And I don't know what you're able to say right now, but it's not easy, you know? I'm by no means an expert at human relations, I'll tell you. Because like by definition or by character, I'm an introvert. So my tendency is to just be alone and be by myself and not really want to talk to anybody. And people don't really always believe when I say that because of the career path that I chose. But I just kind of want to be alone. So when I have to interact with groups and have, you know, one-on-ones with people, it's not my natural instinct to want to address those, you know, conflicts or those, those issues. So I'm much better at it now than I ever was because I've had so much experience and, you know, speaking to this hiring process, how do you actually choose these people? For me, I do, I get 20 applications a week for people to work with me online or working in the gym. And the first step, and I'm sure you're going to agree with this, is it's personality. Like, so you're talking about how do you get coaches to believe the way you believe or to want to help people the way you want to help. That's the first hiring criteria, man. Like if that's not there, nothing else matters. You could have the best skill set in the world, but if you're an asshole, no thanks, right? Believe I remember that, when but. we got on the call back in end of August, start of September last year, and I told you it'd be a lifelong dream for me to start working with you to build some muscle. And you said, oh, okay, well, let's jump on a call. And I knew straight away, it was like, it wasn't about my goals because you know you can achieve them, right? You know what you're capable of doing as a coach. You just wanted to know whether we could work or we got on and... Just basically, well, now you're going to be a huge pain in my ass. <laughs> But also, I think you probably resonated with the fact that I was educated, I'd done a PhD, and you, yeah, you did identify sure. that, okay, right, well, you probably saw that my business was doing quite well, and you're like, right, okay, this guy is a specific way mentally. I would potentially like to work with this guy. And I had no idea your business was doing well, man. Just sorry to cut you off there. The only thing that I wanted to know, and as it is with everybody, is I asked the same question to everybody. So everyone listening out there who wants to start a business, use this question, how can I help people? So that's the only thing I teach my coaches at my gym. And anytime somebody walks in the door at the gym, like, how can I help you? That's it, right? And if we can get to the bottom of that and I can actually help, then I'm in. If not, then why would I help? If you have some other issue that I can't solve, then I'm not going to help you. And this is probably the biggest thing that I teach my master my clients who are trying to grow their business. Now, uh, coming back to the Sunday and the days, the very last call is the mastermind. And the very last call is people who are maybe earning over six figures or want to earn six figures. And be truthful, some people who don't have a business but want to get their first 10 clients. So it's it's anyone who wants to really kind of take their business to the next level or even initiate to some degree. One of the things that I say to them all the time is, if someone messages you in the DMs or, or contacts you and says, how much is your coaching? And you answer with a price, I just facepalm. Because what you're doing when you do that is, number one, you're telling the client that you care more about the money. You're not listening to the client. Everything that we've spoke about today it's about people. They want to feel heard. Number three, they want to feel like you can actually help them. How can they buy into you or give you money if they don't know that you can actually help them? And you need to ask them to identify whether you can. And number four, for me, it just shows that obviously it comes back to, I suppose, what you think is the one thing that probably stands out with my business is I show I care. I want to listen. And equally, I want to make sure that they're a good fit for my business. 
And that's probably the biggest mistake I see fitness professionals make is like, oh, yes, I got a client. And that's great. We all celebrate, right? We all celebrate when we get, you know, a good client come through and we've got, you know, a few, few payments come through. Yeah, of course. But we're the people as coaches who have the solution. The clients have the problem, you know, like I can help you 100%. I just want to make sure you're the right fit for my program. That's such a massive psychological lesson for any aspiring online coach or fitness professional to identify that then when you're in a, you know, the sales process or you do not have confidence in your ability to execute, why on earth would someone buy into you if you can't even buy into yourself? Right. And for anyone out there who doesn't feel like they have the skill set to get someone a result in something, well, maybe you're just not ready to start your own business, right? I, I think a lot of people who are young have this aspiration. Oh, I want to be my own boss and I want to be a, an entrepreneur. But there's so many facets that people don't see that going that go into being an entrepreneur, right? First, you mastered your craft, right? That's foundational. And now you're learning about entrepreneurship because you're learning about money and you're learning about marketing and you're learning about management, leadership, all these things. And, and people don't look at that stuff. So anyone out there who's listening who's like, hey, I'm not really sure if I can get someone a result in something. I think the first step is mentorship, right? Like hiring somebody or working with somebody to be your mentor, right? And that's why you have this mentorship group, right? And I'm actually, and I told you, I'm, I'm launching one as well because like there's so many people out there who maybe like you say, they have an existing business or that maybe they don't have the mastery of the skill set. Look, work with somebody, man. Like invest your time to master your craft first. You know, you spent the last 20 years mastering how the human body works and mastering how your own body works. And now you feel, okay, now I can actually help people. And that's why you get such great results because you get these people who start businesses and, and have a hard time succeeding. You haven't even mastered your craft. Like your craft has to be on autopilot because now you're going to have to worry about management and money and marketing and client acquisition and, and client retention, right? And, you know, people think they're an online coach and let's just say their goal is to get people in cover model shape. If you're out there and you're building a business and it's, let's just say it's under six figures and whatever amount you're making, the chances are you are doing 15 jobs. You're not getting people in cover model shape. You're your own photographer. You're running your social media. You're answering your emails. You're your own personal yeah. assistant. You're your own accountant. You're your own audio guy. You're everything. You're all of these things. And people don't see that. People don't see that. And sometimes all I do is like literally that someone signed up to, to my mastermind. We had our initial call yesterday, paid up front for, for three months 25 minutes into the call, I turned around and I said, just to be clear, if I died tomorrow and you never saw me again, and you use what I said over the last 25 minutes in terms of clarity and systems and the thought process behind what you're trying to achieve, as well as the program design that we put up, and you just consistently tried to sell that program through these channels, do you feel like you would make your full investment after 25 minutes? Not initially, but eventually. And they were like, absolutely 100% yes. And what people don't realize is that when you pay for a mentor, just like you know, you're me coming to you in terms of building muscle, all you're doing is shortcutting your journey from A to B. If I knew what I knew now when I was 20, I would be, right. dude, ugh, I don't even want to know. Like it sickens me. So, you know, I can honestly say I have never spent money on any form of education, any seminar, any mentor, anything. And I feel like I have not taken a return on that investment. If you take one small nugget from a three $5,000 mastermind and it has a 5% increase in your business over the space of a year, you'll probably make your money back. Over the space of two years, three years, you cannot unlearn that thought process ever, ever. And if someone signs up to your mastermind or they sign up to mine, say, for, for three months, it's not always about making your money back by the end of the 12. 
I like to say that my clients will have their initial investment made back in the first month. But even if they didn't after 12 weeks, it's not like you just lose all that information and the cards fold. You just continue to progress. And I think people probably aren't aware of that all of the time. I don't even want to know how much money you've invested in your own personal growth, your own physical growth, everything. But I have a fair idea how much I have spent. And I never in a million years ever thought that I would even have made that amount of money at this point in my life. 10% 10% of my income every year typically is the goal, right? Minimum, usually closer to 20. And it's always like consistent. And you know, one, one entrepreneur said to me one time, he goes, man, I spend money or I invest money to condense time. And I, and I said, I didn't really understand what he said. And, and I explained it to me. And he said, well, to read a book is eight to 10 hours if you're reading consistently at a good pace. To spend an hour on the phone with someone and download their brain in that hour. So you download that book may cost you a couple hundred dollars, but you're going to get exponentially more value. You might get the entire value and more of that book in that one hour. So if you spend three days with someone or one day with someone and you have to pay a bunch of money, but you're getting all of this condensed information, you're condensing time, right? So it's saving you time from having to read the book or you know do the class or do the online course or whatever it is. And just like, hey, I'm just going to learn this in the shortest amount of time possible. The penny dropped with me in such an abstract way when I thought of when that first crossed my mind. Because I thought of every single person who's being hired or outsourced to do a task, they're basically being told by their boss that an hour of their life that they will never get back is worth the hourly wage that they're getting from that person. Have a little, if you're listening to this and you're working a job and you have an hour left in your life at some point, and think of all the hours that you put in every week, your boss is essentially saying that your time on this earth that you will never get back is worth 15 bucks an hour. 25 bucks an hour. When I think of that, I feel sick. So if you can shortcut that distance by paying a little bit more upfront and get all of that time back, it's just a no brainer. But you know, it's the same as, as you know, what I say, you know, when they're taking their clients on, or, you know, I'm helping get getting someone in cover model shape, all they're doing is they're investing in themselves, they're investing into the program. And it's no different for other fitness professionals to do the same. But for some reason, a lot of fitness professionals or aspiring entrepreneurs don't really grasp the fact that they need to invest initially. And the people who are succeeding are the people who are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on be it Facebook ads or traffic or you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on, on mentorships and courses. And there's obviously some, some reason why that's the case, right? Right. So I think my audience would be really angry with me if I didn't ask you a little bit about this process to get in cover bottle shape. So give me an idea of like the approach you take. So are you like high fat? Are you high carb? Are you high protein? Are you like doing a lot of cardio? Is there any, you know, five golden applicable action items that you can give us? Like, hey, if you want to get in cover bottle shape, or maybe it's 10, it's three, it doesn't any any number. What could we do that say, hey, if you do this, this will accelerate your journey. It could be things that people already know, but what are kind of your core tenets? Like, hey, in order to get into the best shape possible. This right? really comes back to when I was in the hospital and doing all that lab work. And I was actually getting in shape by default, in terms of getting lean at least, right? And what I would do to stay mentally focused when I was looking down a microscope or, you know, analyzing blood samples that, you know, unfortunately a patient might pass away next week, I will never get that blood sample again. I needed to be mentally sharp consistently. It takes the smallest mistake with a blood sample to screw it up, right? So, you know, we were extracting DNA. I needed to be on my game. So I found my mental clarity was the most important thing. And the best way to do that was I say intermittent fast. My version of an intermittent fast would have been a coffee, maybe a black coffee first thing in the morning, 
maybe a small amount of uh, branch chain aminos. That would that's my definition anyway, at least. Have some form of hydration, maybe a little bit of water, all the way up until maybe one or two p.m. Now, I didn't necessarily do that to get in in shape. I just got in shape purely out of default, really, because my activity was so high. I did it for mental clarity, but. Now, I think there is value as, as you find in fasting, be it in terms of getting lean, yes, but brain function, cognitive function, you know, overall health. I found that that was quite beneficial. I think it comes down to, with some clients, their psychological relationship with food. That's probably one thing that I, I utilize myself to get in cover model shape. Although I feel like when you initiate with a client, sometimes they're eating quite a lot initially. And it's just a case of moving food backwards or eliminating carbohydrates from around the times that they're not training. And then essentially, because I was doing that, and for me, I needed to get a decent amount of carbohydrates in to even function or to feel full in the muscle, even when I was getting relatively lean, I would have backloaded my carbs. So that would have been two. I would have probably had the majority of my carbs post-workout, not a huge amount, but probably from some bit simple sources post-workout. Number three would probably have been intra-workout carbohydrates. So something like a cyclic dextrin or something that I would integrate in with some electrolytes that I felt would allow me to get more food in in the evening. But also I felt that I just felt a lot fuller. I've always been athletic and I feel like my body responds quite well to carbs. I was just conflicted in terms of what was beneficial for my mental clarity in the morning when I did you know, most of my lab work. Um, and then past that, to be honest, like the obvious one is clearly adherence. And I suppose that ties in with the communication that you have with your client. I would say that's probably the most important, but on this list, we'll say four. Because if you don't have that communication and you don't have some bit of adherence, then you're shooting in the dark. It's like what you say about you know trying to build muscle. If you can't quantify, if you can't say that every rep is the same, how can you quantify it? It's the same with nutrition. If you can't say that you're analyzing your step count, your sleep, or all of the things that you can be in control of, then how can you say whether you're progressing efficiently and effectively or not? And the last thing, as stupid as it sounds, has to be mindset. Like it has to be, why do you want to get in cover model shape? Now, when I initially got into the fitness space, I happened to train in, in the gym and I'd never competed, still haven't. I know we've spoken about it a number of times and it's on the to-do list for sure. But a lot of people were coming to me for competition prep purely because I could get people in incredible shape. I moved away from that until I hired Wade, who has done numerous competitions. But at the time, I felt like people were coming to me who wanted to compete and I would go, well, yeah, that's great. But why? Like, why do you want to compete? Because this isn't always going to be easy, especially if you're doing something new. There will be times where you may struggle. There will be times where it's challenging. And I felt if someone can really identify their why, and then like you've said a number of times, what's your why within that why? Okay, you want to get in shape to get on stage to win, but why? Because you want external gratification. You want to gain confidence within yourself. Great. Well, and why is that? And I feel like because I'm able to have a close conversation with my clients, and especially back then... I was able to really delve into their psychology and understand what made them tick. And I can have a conversation with a client now, and I know exactly what I need to say, not in manipulation, but just to get the best out of them. I know exactly what I need to say to that client in order for that client to at least come close to achieving their goals. And that's something you can't teach. It's something you practice, and it becomes increasingly difficult if your communication with the client is email or messenger. And that's why these scalable group programs, I think, are valuable because at least it's it's on a scalable level, but you get to converse and you get an idea of the psychology of the client. 
I really think it's the best education in the world to be able to work with people one-on-one and actually have a sincere desire to help them change because you're, you're going through so many different scenarios and you're having to expand your ability to articulate yourself and expand your ability to think through problems. You know, you literally have hundreds of case-by-case scenarios of problem solving right in front of you and, and you've got to find the solution because it's, you know, it's not a life or death situation, but I think you and I kind of view it like that. Like I need to help this person change. And, you know, in the beginning for the listener, like in the beginning, as you say, what you do matters less. You just need to have some very, very foundational things in place, right? Like choose better options of food, eat consistently, exercise a little bit more. That's some foundational stuff for your early level group, right? But as you start getting into those deeper level tactics to get people in really good shape, that's when those like those slight manipulations start to take place. So on those low level clients, I won't even take on a low level client anymore, man, because it's like, man, there's no reason to pay me to do something that anyone can do, right? Like just restrict your calories a little bit. You have a little better food options, exercise a little bit more. You're going to be great. But when you start getting into those cover model things, that's when it starts needing your like really in-depth one-on-one skill set, right? And that's obviously not something you can give strategy for over a podcast. It's like, hey, man, it's totally individual. When somebody's not responding, I might do this, I might do that, I might do this. Depends on what, do- what they've been doing, what depends what they're doing now. It depends how their body responds and what the stress levels like. And there's so many things that go into that stuff. So there's two yeah, things on I that. I was going to yeah, say the ahead. first one is, and you hit the nail on the head, and it comes for sure from being having a scientific brain. Since I was four or five years old, as I know you were, you're asking questions, you're problem solving. Every time I have a conversation with a client, I'm not going through nutrition, I'm not going through training. I'm problem solving. Okay, great. Well, you did this and what happened? Okay, well, maybe we should try this. And why don't we try it? That's all it is. And as a scientist, and the one people will say crazy things like, oh, how many calories do I need to be in right now to build a cover model body? Or what, what are the top 10 exercises I need to use? Now, what I would say is, like with anything in life or any scientific experiment, if you can call someone's human body one such and getting in cover model shape, you want as many constants as possible and you collect the data from the variables. And sometimes, unfortunately, I think fitness professionals go, oh, but the calculations say it should be this, and scratching their head, and it's not working, because you're not looking at the data from the client. You're not listening to the client. You're not able to problem solve what's going on with that client. How on earth, firstly, if you're not listening and collecting data, I've done it, I've done some experiments to do it over 100 times, you know, trying to break down the DNA of, of some leukemic cells, and I'm like, oh, it'll happen the next time. You need to assess the client, the data, and then make whatever manipulations you need to make. And number two, just coming back to what you said about you being overqualified in a sense for these clients, it's also really important for some of our mentorship clients. And I say this all of the time who have imposter syndrome. I say, you're not trying to get someone to put on muscle like Ben does with his clients. You're not trying to get someone in cover model shape like me. You're setting up your new business. I don't know if you remember Monica, who is a client of mine from Toronto, reached out to you a few times. You saw her transformation. She lost yes. 116 pounds. Yep. And she's come through that tier. Yep. And she's now in my mastermind. And she has her first few paying clients. And she was feeling a little bit of, oh my God, like I'm a fraud here. Like, And I'm like, the clients that you're helping, you are more than qualified to help them with what they need to achieve their goals. And with a client like that, be it the actual client or helping people within a mentorship who are helping those people, your skill set is above and beyond what you need to achieve these results. These are just the things you need to be mindful of. And in a world that we live in right now, where there's a lot of external gratification and people doing everything on social media with millions of followers, you need to stay in your own lane and identify that, okay, if she's charging $200 Canadian per client, 
She only needs 44 clients to be earning six figures. 44 people, she could go into Walmart and get 44 people, of which are within her demographic of people she can help. Now, anyone listening to that sentence is like, oh my God, he's just made it so easy. It is. You just need to put the actions in place that are going to allow you to execute on that. Um, one thing that I will always say in terms of business that you need to quantify things just like you need to do with your steps and your macros and everything, right? If you have a 80% open rate on an email and your funnel has a you know 45% click-through rate and 10% sales, you need to understand all of these processes and go back to the drawing board. And again, broken record, you need to assess the data. Now, if a client like that has a program and we program design it so it's $200 and we try and offer more scalable value so it's less time, there's no way in the world anyone out there could not have 44 clients if it's scaled and earn six figures. There's just no way. And if she, worst case scenario, takes her, like she, she gets a client every two weeks in two years. Yeah, okay, two years, but she'll be earning six figures by then. Most people out there would take that, right? Sure. Do you have any advice for anyone out there who wants to start a business but doesn't have any social following and maybe doesn't have any money yet to start a business, right? So like they can't really start, you know, hiring people and they, you know, what's what's the first step? This for listeners can't see. I'm holding up my iPhone has more potential and more information than we will ever know what to do with it. Like you have Google at your fingertips. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you're listening to it on a probably a, yeah, an iPhone or a phone or a computer. There is no excuse, only the bullshit story you're telling yourself for you not to be successful. Will a mentor help you 100%? Would it be one of the first few investments? Honestly, maybe. It depends. But you have more information than you can possibly ever want. And yes, it can be overwhelming because you don't know who to listen to. But what you need to do is exactly what I said initially. Map your actions to your ambitions. Set out what your goals are. Map them out. That girl, Monica, let's say her program is $200. We scale it up and add the value so that it's a no-brainer deal. And let's just say it takes her a month to get two clients. And all she does is ask her friends, refers, goes into Walmart, goes into McDonald's. I made a joke and I said, I bet you could go into McDonald's right now, have a picture of your transformation and go, why are you eating that? Do you want to look like this? Like I've changed my life. If she did that for an hour, she would get 10 clients. That's $2,000 Canadian she'd be pulling in. Now that just sounds so obvious, but it is obvious. You just need to put an action plan in place, identify what you need to do, make sure your actions are mapping to your ambitions and execute. It's like what you say in terms of muscle building. It's so simple, but nobody's doing it. Everyone's overcomplicating things, you know, and it's interesting. I love it. I love it. Be it the getting people in cover model shape or helping people get in, expand and blow, blow up their business. And I can relate now to you far more than I ever could have before. And before, it was never you building so much muscle and being one of the best bodybuilders that, in my eyes, that has ever walked the planet because you actually know what you were doing and you did it in such a short space of time with, as you would openly say, limited genetic potential in terms of some of the other specimens out there. I thought that was cool. I watched Generation Iron 1 and was like, oh my shit, this guy is like, looks like this, but he's got a brain. Sorry, I told myself, I will never be that big, da 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 da, da but... I related to you because of your scientific knowledge, your your thought process. And I've not really said this to you, and I, maybe the podcast isn't the right place to say, but your transition from human being since I first learned who you were to where you are now and to be able to call you a friend, a really good friend, 
is incredible, is incredible. And see the transition you've gone through, you know, we've all been through highs and lows. God knows I've been through some lows, but we go through the highs and the lows and to see the person that you've become and using that to transform other people's lives is better than any muscle that you've ever grown, any competition you've ever done. And exactly the same for me, getting people in cover model shape is 5% of what my program is about. Some of the biggest transformations that I've had on my mastermind and my cover model academy recently is someone listening to Audible, someone reading books, someone planning their day. Our good friend Craig Valentine's perfect day formula that I was like, dude, you need to do this. Like These personal development things that are making people incredible human beings. If that doesn't like set your world on fire that you feel like you can have that much impact on someone, I'm in Jasper National Park right now in one of the most beautiful parts of the world. I'm talking to someone who was and still is my absolute idol. And I, this is my work, inspiring other people. Like if, if, if you want to build a fitness business, stop looking at your bank account. You can look at mine. There's a shit ton in there that I won't spend. It means nothing to me. But my heart is full. My heart is full. And there were times in my life where I wanted to give up on everything. We haven't spoken about this properly, but there were times in my life where I really wanted to give up on fucking everything. And I soaked up all of that anger and I soaked up all of that hurt. And I said, I want to find purpose. And honestly, I comes back to these clients and I say to them every Sunday morning, the ones that I one-to-one Skype, and I say, I'm going to say this to you and I hope you don't use this against me in the future, but I would pay you to be on this call. I would pay you to make me feel the way you make me feel. I would pay you to have that appreciation for what my role in your life has done. I hope you feel that for me, dude. Genuinely, friend to friend. I hope you feel that for me because that's true. And I want to feel, I want my clients to, to, to understand that that means more to me than any financial investment. And for anyone out there who wants to grow a business, if you do that, you will be successful and you will have more money than you know what to do with. And I was going to ask you for one piece of wisdom for all of our listeners, but you just gave it preemptively, right? It's, you know, you have to find those things that lights your heart up, man, whatever your passion is. And, and you've obviously found yours. And it's, man, it's beautiful to see. And I can see you thriving doing this for years to come. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm so grateful to be a small part of that journey, buddy. And I'm grateful to have had you on here. Thank you. And one final question is, you know, what is the one thing you do every day that's non-negotiable for you? It could be more than one. You I'm get so, so conscious of my energy and my time and the people that don't deserve it. Because I think in life, anyone listening to this at at some point will relate. For some really bizarre reason, we look for acceptance from the people who've not yet given it to us rather than thanking the people who always have. And when I went through my lowest point in my life and was absolutely broken, I turned around and I've, I've put this quote up a few times and, and you've liked it. But at that point, and if, you, if you're listening to this and you're going through shit and you're going through literally the worst part of whatever you've been through, or you're listening to this and you will go through this because you will, or you have been in the past, take a look around, look at the people who are in your life and understand that if you are completely broken or you're broke or, or you're down or you're depressed, those people are there for you, not for your followers, not for your business, not for your money, not for anything else. And they're the people who matter in life. And if you can find more people like that, your heart will be full. I feel like I get that from my clients. I make sure that my friendship circle, as small as it is for that reason, is only filled with those people. And that's probably the biggest non-negotiable for me. Like 
my time is precious as anyone's is on this earth. It could be gone tomorrow. And just make sure that you're appreciating the people who have always stood by you regardless. And I'm so fortunate that I've been, and you, you say this a lot, I'm so fortunate for my struggles because without those, I wouldn't have appreciated the smallest things in life. Like perspective, like being able to walk out of, you know, what is now just to, to backstory. I said to my mom when I moved to London to do my PhD, my mom is absolutely broke, not a penny. She's disabled, has had breast cancer, which was the reason why I got into doing what I'm doing. Lives by herself with, with, with my brothers. She hasn't got a penny. And she said, there's no way that you will be able to survive over in London. There's no way you'll be able to afford it. I never accepted any money off anyone, not that there was any money to take. I said, mom, if I have a doctor in front of my name when I finish and a penny after my name, it will be a success and probably my biggest achievement in life. Whatever about covers, whatever about anything else, that will be my biggest achievement. By the time I finished my PhD, I had more money than I ever thought I would have and was zero student debt after 10 years in university and had bought a new property right by the river in London. And the fact that I can step outside my front door and know that I did everything in my power to make that dream a reality is, is something I'm extremely grateful for. And I wouldn't be grateful for the simple things of just been able to walk along the river right now. I said this to you when, when I messaged you for, for the first time, I used to listen to your Muscle Expert podcast and now the Muscle Intelligence podcast while I was walking along the river and just soak everything in and realize that like life is good. Like I'm so grateful for this life. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't gone through some struggles. So my non-negotiables is to appreciate my energy, identify that we will go through struggles, but to utilize those um, and be exceptionally grateful. Man, I'm going to end it right there because that's extremely powerful. And uh, I would love for people to head over to Instagram and check you out and send, tell them where they can reach out to you directly, man. If you want to listen to more of me or getting in cover model shape oh, yeah. or any of the, the science behind getting in cover model shape, the Shred with Science podcast, which I'll give to, to Ben to put in the show notes, is a real place to find me. If you're looking to grow your, your fitness business, then the Fitness Coach Freedom podcast is also there. But just Instagram, at Spearman Chris, it's one of the only things that I have yet to delegate because I love that initial interaction um, with clients. So head over there, drop me a message, and hopefully I can add some value. No doubt, as you already have, man. Chris, thank you so much for your time, dude. Grateful for you as a human being and grateful for all the information you're putting out to the world. All right, ladies and gents, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Dr. Chris Spearman. As you hear, Chris and I have become very good friends over the last year. He hired me originally to do his transformation to help him add a little bit of muscle. He had a huge success and uh, since then has continued to grow his online fitness business, continued to grow his body and his understanding of how to build muscle. Chris is an absolute wealth of information and I'm so blessed to call him a friend and to have him on the show to share his experience and his wisdom. This guy is just one of those people that's a high achiever in everything. You know, he first he gets his PhD. He then becomes a cover model and now he's crushing it in business and still managing to look incredibly lean, fit, and strong and get his workouts in every day. So uh, incredible wisdom is Dr. Chris Spearman. And I'm going to give one more shout out to ButcherBox. And because I've been using their products for a while, huge fan of the grass-fed beef. You guys can pick what you like. So if you like ribeyes, they're there. If you like ground meat, they're there. If you like sirloins, they're there. I'm a huge fan of the ribeyes. They're absolutely melting your mouth. You know, the flavors are 
second to none. I mean, the quality of the beef is absolutely fantastic. So rather than heading over to your normal grocery, having to carry it back and end up paying more, you can have it shipped directly to your door every single month. You can choose beef, pork, chicken, fish, and any combination they're in. And all of the meat has no antibiotics, no hormones ever, and they're always humanely raised. These guys go to the limit to make sure they're getting you the best quality meat. So because you're a listener of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, they're going to hook you up with $20 off your first order with the code MI40 at checkout. Butcherbox.com, use the code MI40 at checkout and feel free to share that code with anybody you know that eats meat and likes to save money and time. Have a great day, guys. Live your greatest life in a body you love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.